0: Hey y'all, welcome to the Nougat Bell podcast, all about stories of the South straight from the sources. I'm your host, Kate Robertson, and I'm based in the scenic city of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Join me and my guests as we talk about all things Chattanooga, life in the South and beyond. Now pour yourself a cup of coffee or a glass of sweet tea and join us. We're so glad you're here. Chocolate and small business in your background.
1: Oh boy. Because you
0: did you were a pastry chef first, right?
1: No, I was not a pastry chef. I have just a chef. Okay. Uh, so I started working in kitchens 15 years ago, maybe more now, but um, so I was a dishwasher first, of course, that's where you start when you don't go to culinary school <laughs> uh, And I just worked in uh, a wing house and then a bunch of other places in Florida. I moved to Orlando for no, I started in Orlando, moved to Tampa. After I graduated at UCF uh, a few years later and then opened a few restaurants for a company there and then kind of got real tired of living in Florida for my whole life and moved to Chattanooga, moved here to Rock Climb. So that was my intent when I came to Chattanooga. Um, I started working in kitchens again. I worked as a chef at Blue Water Grill for the first couple of years I was here. I left that life and went to work at Coyote for a while and then... uh, that ended a couple years ago. I went back to the kitchen. I ended up working in a really awesome place, Easy Bistro, with Eric Neal. Um, that was a really wonderful experience to be reintroduced into the kitchen life with, with him because he's an amazing guy and mm-hmm. chef. So I've had him on before. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they're both great people. Yeah. Him and Amanda are both awesome. And then uh, then I uh, was the executive sue at Main Street Meats okay. for a while. And while I was doing this on the side, I was there and it... It kind of just came to a head where I needed to make a decision to, you know, do this and kind of follow the dream that I have Yeah. And, and instead of living the kitchen life, which yeah. can get old and I'm all over it and ready <laughs> to work for myself and make chocolate full-time and yeah, it's been a lot of fun to make it happen, so.
0: Yes. Well, that's that's everything that we
2: want to Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: like, it's just kind of come together and people have embraced me wherever I've gone and tried to, mm-hmm. you know... Hawking chocolate out of the back of my car, you know? <laughs> showing up at markets on the street corner, I'm like, yeah, come on. I got that good stuff.
0: Uh, so, if you're just tuning in to this episode of the Nougat Bell podcast, I am joined tonight by Brendan Patrick, who is the owner of Bell Chocolates, which is Chattanooga's first bean to bar chocolate company.
1: That's correct. So Unless someone else is making it in their kitchen or basement that I don't know about,
0: <laughs> underground chocolate. That's
1: where I started. So,
0: yeah. Uh, so let's back up a little bit and sure. um, let's talk a little bit more about how you got started in food.
1: Oh, food has a, been a lifelong, <clears throat> a lifelong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, food is everything. Food is like my love language. So when I'm same, <laughs> having, you know, like hosting parties and having people over, it's always a big. A big deal even if it's just you know when my parents come to town it's like i want to bake them bread i want to make them desserts i want to make all these things for them to eat and share and uh i grew up in the kitchen my dad was always cooking you know my parents cooked it five or six nights a week uh only we'd get a pizza or kfc for dinner on like a saturday night Mm -hmm. or something if mom and dad didn't want to cook but other than that it was (laughs) it was every night we're having dinner around the table together as a family and that was a big part of my life a lot of lot of people
0: don't do that anymore
1: yeah, I don't think it's um, a value that a lot of kids get these days, yeah, which is sad because was, it's a really important focal point, I think. So. Yeah.
0: I mean, my family was the same way. I'm an only child, mm. so it was me, my mom, and my dad. And my dad traveled a lot for work, but mm. um, when he was home, we did that like, everyone, like, sit down at the table and eat dinner together. Oh, and yeah. it feels so unnatural when I'm with someone or with another family, and it's... That's not what they do.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of just the way it is. Food is so uh, fast now. You know, I, I I listened to part of Michael Pollan's um, uh, audio book on The Omnivore's Dilemma,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's like, every, like 30% of every meal in America or something ridiculous is eaten in a car. And you're like, what? How? How does that even be possible? <laughs> how, how is that a thing that has come to be? It's just kind of crazy. So, mm-hmm. And, it, you know, a lot of it for me is taking the time to just be present with your food, with your family, you mm-hmm. know, share that. And even if it's like a 10-minute dinner and everyone's got to run out, it's like it just kind of creates mm-hmm. that bond, I think. So I grew up with that. And food was always important to me. I was always cooking with my dad, uh, you know doing the dishes <laughs> before I could cook anything uh, as a Same. little kid started to cook with my dad and my brother was always around cooking too so we have always been doing this together for our whole lives and uh but then I chose to make it a profession after college and and say well I need to get my degree get out of school I'm tired of it I, I only spent four years though which is great you know they call UCF you can't finish but I finished <laughs> uh, so um, I've never
0: heard that oh yeah
1: that was the thing when I was there uh, for a little bit it was kind of funny but I got out I got my degree and I just went to Mm -hmm. toil in the kitchen for the next 10 or 11 years yeah um, I wouldn't have had wouldn't would not have done it any other way it was Mm -hmm. a lot of fun I learned a ton about food obviously that's my like my livelihood Uh, so yeah that's that's food it's it's like everything to me Mm -hmm. if I don't have anything if I can make you a meal then I'll I'll feel like I've given something Mm -hmm. of myself To you, and that's important. So that's how I do it.
0: Yeah. So how did you get into the world of chocolates?
1: Hmm. Well, it's a dream, you know. Mm -hmm. It's it's like I've always loved chocolate. For one, I've always been. It's always been my candy or sweet of choice. You know, peanut M and M's as a kid were just couldn't open a bag without, and I would just eat all of them just straight.
0: (laughs) Remember dark chocolate peanut M and M's?
1: They weren't as good, I don't think something about that classic M- peanut M&M mm-hmm. is just it can't be beat and i i like dark chocolate now i i don't even eat milk chocolate or, or make it at all but like something about that <clears throat> combination i mm-hmm. think is like one of those food memories that's really powerful yeah. for me dark so.
0: chocolate peanut M&Ms were my mom's weakness Ooh, for yeah. for a few years
1: <laughs> yeah i believe it there mm-hmm. and that's that's great to ha- to have that and so chocolate was always the 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 center of my sweets world and what i really preferred so gosh i don't know when i was Working uh, at Coyote still, um, I had a fair amount of disposable income, and so I'd had just this stock of chocolate bars because I'd go and buy all the different new chocolate bars that I'd see at, at Whole Foods and try each one of them, and, oh, I like that one, I don't like that one, and I'd figure out which which brand had the best dark chocolate, like 90% dark or something, and so I just kind of became a thing that I had all the time. Um, what
0: a luxury. <laughs> right,
1: right, exactly. So co- coffee and chocolate are my two, like, prime vices and so from there, I actually went on a trip. I was out in California. I came across a small bean to bar chocolate shop and I had a sipping chocolate. And I was like, I knew immediately that I needed to be able to make that. Mm-hmm. I sipped it and I thought, holy crap, that is the most rich, full of flavor, like complicated chocolate I've ever tasted in my life. Like, how did you do this? And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, we just we buy beans and roast them and we process everything in house. And I was like, okay. Like all, right. <laughs> all right. It's that's the seed. That that's what planted that seed was that little sipping chocolate. I'll never forget it. And we went, I went back to that chocolate shop every day I was there uh for 5 days and got bars and the cocoa tea and all their different chocolates. Cocoa tea. Yeah. Talk so, to me about that for a minute. Okay. That's kind of um a product that is more or less utilizing what would otherwise be wasted okay so in the in the process you roast the beans you crack them and winnow them the winnowing separates the husks from the nibs The nibs are what gets ground with sugar into chocolate the husks are husks but there's always a percentage of that waste quote unquote that is cocoa nib or it's just like the dust or the small particulate matter that's separated along with the husk. And um, if that's ground up or sifted to where you can brew it in a French press, you can use that and get chocolate and get theobromine and all these hmm. uh, the good qualities of, of chocolate in, into your body in a tea-like drink, although it is not actual tea.
2: Okay. Um, that no, was going to be my next question. No leaves. <laughs> no, it's
1: actually just the kind of this, like, it looks like ground coffee, basically. Okay it in a french press with hot water a little bit of maple syrup or honey Ooh. yeah the maple syrup's a new thing that Ooh. i just found oh, no, out it's like primo Good <coughs> you know. and it's vegan obviously there's no there's and there's very little caffeine um people think chocolate has a lot of caffeine it has a tiny bit but when you get the buzz from chocolate it's theobromine gotcha or however you pronounce it i suppose <laughs> um that gives you that kind of slower onset energy boost mood enhancer vasodilators, uh, antioxidants, all the good stuff. Gotcha. And Yeah.
0: Okay, so, so cocoa tea. So I have learned tea. something new. Yeah. All right, back to this bar. So the sipping chocolate
1: <laughs> was the seed and then I was freak, freaked out about how good this was and I, I still have their chocolate bars. I ordered them online for, uh, you know, every now and then I'll still order a couple of wow. them because, I don't know, something about it reminds me of that time and it's, it's nice to have that. So um, I started reading, watching a lot of YouTube videos watching all the stuff and reading forums on, you know, chocolate websites. And I found one that was fairly active and I learned a lot of information there. And then I started to say, okay, well, I should probably start learning how to do this. <laughs> and I ordered some beans from uh, Chocolate Alchemy, which is a fantastic resource for bean-to-bar chocolate. And I bought a small melanger which is the grinder with stone wheels, and a small tempering machine, which, you know, all of that just to be able to play with it for the first time probably cost eight or 900 bucks. Mm-hmm. But I was single and had disposable income and I <laughs> just made a bunch of money, not made a much, but I had money from the sale of a house and I downsized and kind of went through that process. So came out on top there. And so I said, screw it, let's make chocolate. And so then I started making chocolate and I did it in my house for the first you know, six months while I was figuring out how to do it. And I bought a slab to temper on to learn the tempering Mm -hmm. via slab method. And that's very difficult. Um,
0: I've tried, like, tempering chocolate, like, without the slab. And there is a science and an art
2: to it.
1: Oh, I could give you a lecture on the science (laughs) of it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad that I learned everything I did before I started trying it. Because it's very intense, intensely, like, Mm process-oriented. It's very specific. And the ways you have to manipulate the chocolate temperature-wise and timing. And, you know, I, I bought a book and it's called The Science of Chocolate. And I expected to be like something I could pick up and read a little bit of and uh, maybe glean some information from. Like I do, I have a lot of cookbooks that are like that. You know, I can read a couple of recipes and I'll be like, ooh, I like that idea or I'll remember that or maybe I'll try that. But this was a straight up textbook. <laughs> it is like 150 pages, not that big, but... It is like formulas, theory, crystalline structures, all the different things that go on in chocolate. Wow. And then some experiments that kind of yielded these interesting results to read about in the back of the book. And so,
2: hmm.
1: you know, I, I looked at it and I thought, OK, well, I have my reference point now. I can't just sit down and read this, but I know where to go when I need information about chocolate. Right. And So that's, I've had it since for a couple of years and it's been a good resource. So, mm-hmm.
2: um,
1: and then I wasn't working in kitchens again after I uh, left Coyote. So then I was back in food. Um, I had nothing really going on other than working. So mm-hmm. I was just working my tail off, and um, enjoying that a lot. Working at, at Easy Bistro and kind of being being the guy there for a little bit, and then at Main Street Meat still. And then I started to do this chocolate thing and started to actually put a name to it and just figure out packaging and you know, I would sell bars for a couple, five bucks, you know, out of the, literally out of my car to my friends. Like I'd bring them <laughs> over to my friend's house up in the hills in, in, the Red, in Red Bank and like they'd play music and we'd just eat chocolate and drink wine. And it was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, yeah. I really enjoy this. Like, so then I started to kind of make it formal. I figured out what I needed to do, got in with Small to Business Development Center and kind of just went from there. And then it came to the point where I wanted to give it all the attention and love that it needs. And that was that. Yeah. So now we're here. Yeah, we're it's, so... it's been like three months now and I'm still alive. Is that it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Since I've been doing it full time.
0: Full time. Okay. Yeah.
1: I, I, I have been doing it on the side obviously for a while, but mm-hmm. since it's been my primary occupation, <clears throat> three months.
0: Wow. I never would have guessed that.
1: Well, you know, I took a long time getting, the, getting it right, so mm-hmm. I think that's important to hone the product because I don't want to put something out and give it to someone and say, this is the best chocolate you'll ever taste, and they go, "Ooh, no, yeah. and I'd be like, oh, God, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> what happened? What, that can't be the right one. Let me give you another one. You know, that'd be a terrible thing, so it's mm-hmm. really important to spend that time and perfect the craft, or, mm-hmm. you know, as much as I can. I'm obviously still learning a ton every day mm-hmm. that I'm playing with it, so...
0: That's a common thread that I've noticed among some entrepreneurs that I've been talking to lately Yeah, is the like perfecting it before you you release it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean with any dish in a restaurant, you are spending time developing it Mm -hmm. and that was never really my strongest thing in the kitchen. Like new new dish development and new recipe development was never my like, never what I really wanted to spend all my time doing. Mm -hmm. I wanted to just execute and just like you know, put me on a station and just let me bang saute pans together all night and just like <laughs> crush it on a Friday night. That was always a good thrill to have. Um, but dessert started to kind of pique my interest and pastry a little bit. And then that's, that's always been a thing is like chocolate. It's been a, in the back of my head for a couple of years. And, and, you know, I've always been drawn to sweets mm-hmm. in general. So more or less, you know, I'd sneak a handful of the little, uh, chocolate nibs that we'd melt down to make desserts mm-hmm. from the kitchen and i'd have a little handful of chocolate running around <laughs> like, chef's like what are you doing i'm like i'm gotta eat i mean it's there you know come on i gotta make sure it's the chocolate's fresh and it hasn't you know i used to thing. do
0: that with cookie dough pieces when i worked in ice cream shops oh yeah
1: it would just be a nightmare i don't know yeah I, it would, was that would be impossible to resist this cookie does one of those mm-hmm.
0: things. Um, we'll touch more on this a little bit later. Sure. But when we did, or when you did the cheese and chocolate dinner mm. at Blue Fox, yes. that chocolate mousse, or the pot de creme. Pot de creme. Pot de creme.
1: Yes. <clears throat> that is a I still think concoction. about that. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I attribute that to the, just the quality of the ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another thing that I really try to stick to and I'm passionate about is just using good ingredients and only putting good quality food in my body. Um, So, you know, I buy everything from the farmer's market if I can. I try to get the good fresh eggs. I get lettuces. You know, I don't really buy any prepackaged food if I can help it. Um, You know, every bit of bread I've had for the past year or so, I've either made myself or got from a local bakery. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm
0: getting to be that way too.
1: You know, bread is a wonderful, complicated thing too. So w- once you start making bread, it's like your whole, you could just t- throw your whole life away and try to yeah. make, try to perfect your sourdough. So haven't um. gone
0: that far <laughs> yet. But I really would like to try make, well, I make banana bread all the time, Ooh. but that's, that's its own thing. Yeah. There's a difference between banana bread and sourdough.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I actually made a, a little loaf bread like thing, like a banana bread, but I did rosemary and dark chocolate. Ooh. And that was a really interesting combination. And I'd never had it before, and I found this interesting recipe, and I thought, oh, that might be nice, and it was unbelievable.
0: Rosemary and dark chocolate. Yeah. How dark of chocolate.
1: Like, my 70% dark chocolate. Okay. Yeah.
0: Rosemary. Hmm.
1: So, yeah, ingredients are really important. Yeah. And when you want to make a really good dessert, you have, like, your flowers and your sugars and stuff like that are all pretty common because pastry is so technical that has, you know, you can't use powdered sugar instead of caster sugar or caster sugar instead of granulated sugar or whatever the combination is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the only place anyone ever gets chocolate from is Cisco or their supplier or GFS or whoever, and they buy Calibut or, you know, Ghirardelli or whatever one of these brands. Store brand. (laughs) Store brand. You know, one of these companies that's making, they're buying their coca beans from Africa and they're making thousands of pounds of chocolate at a time and it's like I don't know there's something mm-hmm. lost in translation there mm-hmm. um, it's good I'll eat I'll eat Ghirardelli all day long I have a bag of Ghirardelli chip chocolate chips mm-hmm. in my cabinet right now and I'll snack on with you if I want something sweet but you know if you're gonna make a the best pot of creme you've ever had you're gonna need good local cream mm-hmm. you're gonna need good eggs and you're gonna need good chocolate and that's like that's always been the thing that hasn't been there for me in my cooking career. And so now i have just... Whenever I make a dessert at home, I use my chocolate. And it's always the best version of that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, that's what's missing is like the really good chocolate as an ingredient and not just in a bar form. Right. So, uh, I've actually talked with some of the bakeries around town, Bread and Butter and need Loves, potentially about using my chocolate in their croissants.
2: Ooh. Which
1: would be amazing. I had, I can't make croissants, so I need them to do it for me. Oh my
0: goodness, my <laughs> friend is a home baker, home mm. cook, just patience of job. She will <laughs> she will attempt any recipe you yeah. put in front of her. <clears throat> That's good. And she made homemade croissants mm. about 6 months ago. And the way she was describing the process to me with the laminating and the folding oh, yeah. and you have to, like, fold it a certain way and then turn it and then roll it. Book and then
1: fold, yeah. And Three then, book folds with, like, an hour of chill in between yes. each one. And...
0: You get 27 layers. And oh, she man. was telling me about all that. And I'm like, Shelly, how and why? Well, <laughs> but she said they were delicious. Yeah. And I was like, I bet they were.
1: And the coolest thing is when you, you're like, okay, I'm going to try to make a croissant. <clears throat> and then you spend a day or more on it. And then you, you bake it and you're sitting there watching it and you're like, oh my God, is it going to work? Is it going to work? Is it going to work? And then all of a sudden it fluffs up and it's got this beautiful golden brown, golden brown crust and you think,
2: I did it. Yes. And
1: then you can share those with people and they're like, watching someone be like, you made this? Mm-hmm. And being like, hell oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a really cool, rewarding thing to do. That's like me
0: when I make macarons. I'm like staring in the oven oh, yeah. like, you come should, on, come on, come on.
1: <laughs> get the little foot there, mm-hmm. you're good to go. Yeah, they're it's just fun. It is.
2: It's always, um, been,
1: always been really enjoyable to share
2: mm-hmm.
1: something I make with someone. And food is the thing that I'm best at making. So yeah. it makes sense.
0: I feel that. <laughs> um, I got completely sidetracked there for a second.
1: Yeah, I probably. don't even know where we're going.
0: <laughs> oh, I know what I wanted to ask. Um, Where do you source your cocoa beans or cocoa from to make your chocolate?
1: Uh, <clears throat> So the website is Chocolate Alchemy. Oh, they, they, one. They're distributors, but they have dozens of different types of cocoa beans to choose from that they have stored in their warehouse. And they have relationships directly with farms in South America, Central America, um, Costa Rica, like all these places. So I sampled four or five beans before I chose the one that I thought I really liked for various reasons, whether it was my inexperience at the time and I didn't get the flavor I wanted so I just tried something else. You know, I might revisit the first couple that I tried to see how they taste now. but I just really like the kind of fruity brightness that the, this is a Peruvian cocoa bean. So okay. it comes from, uh, Norandino is a co-op that grows coffee and chocolate, or coffee and cocoa, uh, in northern Peru. And they grow the trees, ferment the beans, dry them, and then bag them up and ship them. Awesome. So then I get them from Eugene, Oregon, which is where the warehouse is for okay. chocolate alchemy. There's another uh, supplier, Cocoa Supply, and I've used them for a couple things, but no specific cocoa beans yet. Gotcha. A lot of these places and suppliers are really big on those relationships with the farms. You know, they're very, they're all fair trade, organic, certified, like good quality thing. You know, beans come from a good quality source. It's not, you know, dirt cocoa from bumfuck Alabama. Yeah. I don't know if you can... But yeah, so that that's that's been a really cool thing, and that's also a, a huge forum and resource. Mm-hmm. I actually just kind of went down the rabbit hole of of refining a piece of equipment that I have, or one of the process steps that I have, and and came out with, I just need to buy something else mm-hmm. instead of trying to rig up this whole contraption to do this thing that I need to do. I just bought the thing.
0: Sometimes it's just easier. <laughs> it's
1: <like laughs> someone else already solved this problem. I'm just going to use their solution too. Yeah, and, and it works, and it worked great. So happy with that
0: um how long did it take you to taste all the different uh beans and land on the peruvian
1: uh i, mean, I don't know i was doing that when i was first starting so okay. i was doing that i would buy two pounds of beans at a time or or you know get a sampler pack of like mm-hmm. four two and a half pound bags so i could just do real small batches uh i think i blew through it the actual like sitting down doing it all pretty quickly mm-hmm. i think i you know it takes Thirty-six or so hours in the grinder to process the beans from or the nibs from nib and sugar into chocolate. Can't call it chocolate till all the particulates are the same size at like twenty microns or something like that. Interesting. So when everything goes in the melanger as ingredients, cocoa nibs, cocoa butter, sugar, and it comes out as chocolate. So I think I think I went through like the four samples and like. As you know, twelve days, like Oh two wow. weeks. I was just cranking it because okay. you know I'd do a day and a half or two and a, or two days in the malanger uh, at a time, and then I would temper it, and then I'd already have the other one ready to go, so I put it in and just go from there. And then awesome,
0: like,
1: I eat a lot of chocolate. <laughs> I, yeah, I remember distinctly having like several days where I would just have like forty or so bars of chocolate just sitting on my countertop, and I'm like, I'm gonna eat half of these, <laughs> and I'm gonna start right now.
0: Just, <laughs> And I'm not going to feel bad about it. Yeah,
1: you know, you, you walk by after dinner and it's like, well, oh, well, I guess I'm having chocolate for dessert tonight again. Yep. Yeah, what a tough life. So.
0: Right. So going back to this whole wonderful Blue Fox cheese and chocolate mm, dinner we yes. did, which was incredible. Oh, um, I had a really good time, yeah. How did all of that come to be? And what was the process like of pairing your chocolates with the different cheese courses and dishes?
1: Uh... Well, I I I met those guys. Um, I kind of just walked in the door. I I emailed, you know, info at Blue Fox (laughs) or whatever's on their website, and I said, "Hey, I'm making chocolate. Do you guys want to try some samples? Maybe sell it." And they were like, "Yes, absolutely." So I came in and met the guys. They're all super awesome. Um, Jesse and Sam and Chris Mm are are just. They're like bros, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I hate to say the word bros, but like, you know, if you're in a kitchen environment and you've got guys that you're bonded with, like, that's what they are. That's Mm -hmm. what it feels like. So I had immediate kind of, some kind of chemistry with them. I felt really good talking and comfortable with them, Um, brought them some samples, and then they started stocking my chocolate, and then we started talking about events coming up, and it was like, well, Valentine's Day, let's do a dinner together. Perfect. I think think it was Jesse's idea first, and I thought... Absolutely, like without a doubt, I would love to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so I gave him a bunch of cocoa nibs to use in the mole to use which for the sauce, was which was awesome. awesome. <laughs> I was pretty impressed with that. Jesse said he would never made a mole before, and I was like, "Well, don't <laughs> tell anyone else. You know, that's your family secret. Now it's yeah, your recipe we're... you've had for for years now. So <laughs>
0: whatever recipe you did, don't you change should, it. Yeah, you should have
1: wrote it down if you didn't. Of course. <laughs> um, and you know, chocolate and cheese and wine and all those kind of like finer goods things, I think Mm -hmm. go really well together. Um, so I had 80% and 70% on the cheese boards. I made the cocoa nib brittle, Mm -hmm. which I think is the best damn thing I've ever made in my life. (laughs) I think the nib brittle is better than the chocolate. I think it's the best thing ever. It's the crunch.
2: Yeah. It's the crunch. It's the texture. It's that
1: like real crunch. It's got the bitter cocoa, sweet sugar, butter, all the, all the right stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, that with cheeses and, and berries and dried fruits and everything is, is, you know, kind of just goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the cheese course with and then the bonbons, of course, the, the, the goat cheese bonbon was the which thing.
0: everyone was <laughs> just dying over. That was
1: a great bite. Um, Luther
0: and I were talking about those the other night and you know, we have determined that those need to make a comeback at some point.
1: Uh, it's going to have to be a special occasion, because there, you know, there were only 30 of them ever created. Yeah. Uh, and they were all eaten that night, Yep. So, um.
0: Y'all were not leaving that with any of those left. No.
1: No. Not even, a, not even close to a chance of that. Um, we, we were talking, talking about doing a custom bonbon for the dinner, like mm-hmm. something special with, that would use cheese and chocolate, because they're the cheese guys and I'm the chocolate guy, so, um. I We sampled it with the Obanon goat cheese, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal stuff. Um, just alone, it was too much goat cheese in the bonbon. And we thought, well, we need some kind of fruit thing to round it out, or some kind of tart brightness. And the Amarena cherries were the thing. Mm-hmm. And Jesse, we're sitting there snacking on at the little bar there they've got. And we're like, hmm. He, he looks over, he goes, I got it. Walks <laughs> over the shelf, pulls the cherries out and says, Cuts one of the other bonbons in half that was just goat cheese. Mm-hmm. Slams a cherry in there and says, this is what we're doing. That's oh, right. man. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. I love that.
0: I love when people just like have ideas like that and they just work so perfectly. It just clicked, yeah. Oh, my goodness.
1: So, and believe me, the process of making those, because he counted 30 cherries. Oh, wow. So we're, we're capping it at 27 people. You should have a couple extra. I was like, cool, no problem. Just so gave me 30 cherries. And there's these little, you know, like... Luxardo, looking like drenched in their own syrup, like mm-hmm. super sweet, wonderful things. And uh, so, mm-hmm. as I'm making the bonbons, I'm like very carefully placing each tiny little cherry, and they're like making sure nothing gets wrong with it. <laughs> and then, of course, we had like 29 people RSVPs. So then mm-hmm. it was like, oh shit, I hope no one drops one because then there's none left. Or yeah. Or so. And then everything was great. Mm-hmm. Two people didn't show up, so we all got to eat one of them, and it was awesome.
0: Yeah, those were so good. I,
1: I would love to make them again, but they're not really shelf stable yeah because of the goat cheese Mm -hmm. whereas the other bonbons I make are all shelf stable for Mm -hmm. ever yeah because there's no water activity which Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about too
0: yeah when y'all introduced them as like a goat cheese and cherry bonbon I was like wait a second Mm. This seems like it shouldn't work, but right? it's probably going to. And then I took a bite of it and so like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it works. <laughs> well,
1: that, that chocolate and that cocoa bean has a lot of fruity notes in it, too. Mm-hmm. So that so helps. It, it can easily tie into anything. Like I've dipped apricot, dried apricots in it. Mm. I dipped uh, medjool dates in that chocolate. Um, also for Valentine's Day. Maybe it was before Valentine's Day. A couple of days before Valentine's Day, I did a, a tasting at tap house okay down right across from where my shop is and i dipped chocolate or strawberries in the chocolate too and it was like you know i sold 50 chocolate covered strawberries on a tuesday night because people were like oh my god yes this is amazing (laughs) i'm like i know i love it (laughs) i know i've eaten 10 of them already
0: (laughs) i know it's good or else i wouldn't make
2: it (laughs) yeah
1: exactly so it's just a fun thing it's Mm -hmm. just like great to work with people that love food and want to be creative Mm -hmm. and that I can work with. Because yeah. if, if you just tell me to say, hey, come up with a dish, I'll be like a deer in the headlights. I'm like, what? Services in an <laughs> hour? Like, I don't know. What do you mean? But if it's a col- collaboration and something we can work on together and, like, go back and forth a little bit, like, that kind of gets the juices flowing a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So.
0: Um, what other kinds of bonbons do you make?
1: I do caramel cream.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Straight peanut butter, which I just used, like, the natural ground peanut butter and sea salt in, which Mm. is really good. I mean, I'm a big Reese's fan. Mm -hmm. I tried to do a Reese's cup, like, play on that with that same kind of texture and flavor, but it ended up, I I don't know, way too sweet. Yeah. Um, So do caramel, peanut butter, uh, a dark chocolate ganache, Mm. which I really like. It's not my best-selling one, but I'm gonna—I'm never gonna stop making it. Cause, it's a classic. Because I eat them like by the <laughs> handful, and then I have a fourth one that I'm—I'm I'm trying to keep rotating right now. So, uh, right now I have a coconut, like a mounds filling type Ooh, thing, okay. uh, with a little almond on top. So it's kind of like almond joy, but uh, and that's been really good. Like, mm-hmm. People have been eating those up
0: my dad um, loves the like coconut chocolate combo yeah. so that would be right up his i was alley. i was
1: surprised at how much i like it now as an adult because i don't remember liking those t- like coconut candies as a kid or anything, i didn't either so but something about it now just really works so mm-hmm. it makes me really happy um Uh, And then next, I'm actually going to take an idea from our dinner and make a mole bonbon. Ooh. Which I think will be really interesting. And I'm not even sure how I'm going to do it yet, but that's the idea.
2: Ooh,
0: like chili and cayenne?
1: I mean, mole is like every spice you can imagine. like Cumin, coriander, chili, cinnamon. Oh,
0: man. Ooh, cinnamon. Um,
1: And just try to make it in this, like, spice bomb. But have it work and be approachable enough that mm-hmm. you be like you bite it and say "Ooh, that's really interesting and really good and then mm-hmm. have some chili and spice and everything that goes with it so uh. i like that <laughs> um yeah you so have me be cool. intrigued <laughs> yeah I, i'm i'm excited to start tinkering with it it'll be yeah. fun a fun process
2: yeah i'll have
1: some extras that are duds i'm sure that we'll <laughs> try to set aside and we can sample them and share them yes
0: yeah. maybe on instagram live that would be fun
1: yeah i <laughs> idea Um, And as far as bars go, I've got a 70% and 80% uh, just straight pure dark chocolate. No soy, emulsifiers, anything like that. It's just cocoa and sugar, both organic, both fair trade. Nice. All the good stuff. So it's
0: like good for you chocolate.
1: The only reason that the chocolate might not be good for you is because of the sugar content. Yeah. Which I say just eat the 80%. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a two ounce bar. Uh, 20% of that is sugar. So you're like, what? Yeah. 10 grams of sugar? I don't know. Not a lot of sugar. <laughs> Eat the chocolate. Yes. It's good. You only live once. Exactly. Um,
0: um I actually, like right after, not right after, but a couple of days after the Valentine's dinner, I actually went back to Blue Fox and bought a couple of your bars to send his birthday presents to oh, friends. Oh,
1: wonderful. They do make great gifts. They do. they do. ship well in those little cardboard boxes. And I was so.
0: mailing to Chicago and Atlanta, oh. and they have both informed me that they were delicious. Yes.
1: <laughs> what i like to hear. Yes.
0: Uh so where else can we buy your products in and around Chattanooga?
1: Oh. Uh so Blue Fox obviously, Velo mm-hmm. Coffee. Um and for Velo, I do a special bonbon with their bone shaker espresso. Ooh, one so of I the good a, ones. I do a coffee bonbon that you can <laughs> only get there. Um bread and butter locals only. And they're actually opening another location on North Shore, mm-hmm. uh, where the Revelator was right there on the corner. So I'll be in both of those shops: uh, Four Bridges Outfitters, Riverside Wine and Spirits. I think is the last one.
0: Awesome. For now. For now.
1: Yeah, and I'm everyone I can talk to about it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking to them about it. or I'm gonna try to. Yeah. Um, and Riverside actually has a bourbon ganache bonbon Ooh. that I make only for them. Because that they, sounds
0: like my thing. <laughs> oh,
1: and they're wild. They're so good. Uh, they have a, a, a bourbon that they blended called Burning Chair. And mm. so they actually selected the blend from five or six different barrels. They sat down with the, the distiller and did the tasting. And so they chose – it's like their bourbon.
2: Nice. So I'm
1: using it with my chocolate just for them. So, so it's perfect. It's, it is. <laughs> and, the, and, you know – I should have made an extra, like, three trays of them when I made them because they're so damn good. I, I had to give them all to them to sell, which is fine. a good problem to have. But right. I had I had a couple extras, and I ate them, and I thought, oh, man, I, <laughs> I, I need to make these just for myself. Yeah. They're really good. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah.
0: All right, last but not least, Uh-oh. time for my jar. Do you know what the jar is?
1: I don't know what the jar is. Okay, no. so
0: if you've been listening to the Nougat Bell podcast, you know what the jar is. But for my new listeners and new guests... This is my mason jar filled with colorful pieces of paper with fun little questions and things for us to talk about. uh
1: Oh, uh-oh. How fun?
0: Oh, just wait. (laughs) Oh, just wait.
1: How much fun are we about to have?
0: Oh, it's it's joyous. Type 1
1: or type 2 fun?
0: (laughs) What's type 1 and type 2 fun?
1: Uh, Type 1 is fun because it's fun, the activity. Okay. Um, Type 2 fun is fun when it's over, like a long, (laughs) strenuous hike. You're like miserable and then it's done okay it's like, type oh one. that was great yeah
0: <laughs> okay it's type one
1: fun. great okay well then i enjoy that
0: okay so my first one confess your most unpopular opinion Ooh. and we both get to answer
1: oh white chocolate is bullshit
0: <laughs> agreed
1: oh, okay <laughs> agreed. maybe it's not that unpopular um
0: because it's not really chocolate is there's it there's
1: no Everything that makes chocolate good and wholesome and right, in my mind, Mm -hmm. is not in white chocolate. Okay. To call it white chocolate, I think, is, you know, it's just cocoa butter. It's like milk chocolate, but if you take away all of the actual cocoa solids from cocoa beans. Gotcha. It's just cocoa butter, which is the fat, milk solids, dry Mm -hmm. milk powder, which goes in milk chocolate always, and sugar. It's like, I can't get behind that.
0: There's a time and place for milk chocolate, not milk chocolate, white, white chocolate, chocolate, but I don't, I, I don't think get it's to... nice as
1: like stripes on yes, like decorating mm-hmm. things because that, that's its place. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I made a white chocolate peppermint cheesecake Ooh, for Christmas. Okay. And it was quite tasty and I'm really mad at myself for not writing down my recipe. Oh
1: yeah. That's the thing. You got to keep note cards.
0: I I just I like have, a stack
1: of them in the kitchen and just write write it down as you go. So Every I've, time I cook anything, I'm just I scribble.
0: I've got another like moleskin like this that's for my yeah. recipes, and I had a page designated yeah. for my cheesecake, and it's blank. Yeah. <gasps> I'm so mad at myself. <laughs> um so that's your most unpopular opinion. Mine would be
1: I mean, we're not going to go into like politics, are we? Oh, no, no, yeah, no, I no. Was no, heavens, no. Yeah. To <laughs> can,
0: um, I ain't trying like to do that change here. Change the subject <laughs>
1: of this podcast, and we'll have a much deeper conversation.
0: <laughs> I have plenty of alcohol for that. But <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, fried green tomatoes are disgusting. Ooh.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I heartily disagree. <laughs> I think fried green tomatoes are fantastic, and I'm going to dip them in chocolate now, and I'll bring you one then. Okay. Just to prove you wrong. Okay. I don't think that would be very good. No, I'm not going to do that. All right, go for it. Oh, my turn. Okay. I'm going to get one of these ones at the bottom that hasn't been seen in a while, maybe. Okay. If you had a friend moving to Chattanooga, what's the first place you tell him or her to go?
2: Hmm...
0: If we're going for, like, things to do, like, once you've moved here and settled, I would the say... First the first place you'd tell them to go. Tennessee Aquarium.
1: Uh, that's a good one. That's a good one.
0: Because I love their penguins and their otters.
1: Yeah. I, I And the I, lemurs. I've been to the aquarium many times, oh. um, and I, I always enjoy it. The jellyfish room is my favorite. hmm just kind of turn around and get lost in the jellyfish room. Yeah. Uh, I think for me... Let me just make sure I'm... Yeah. First place I would tell him or her to go... Uh, would probably be either Aaliyah, because my mind immediately goes to food. Yes. Um, or Easy Bistro to get dollar oysters when they have their oyster special oh, Easy
0: Bistro. Oh, yeah. Which
1: not many people know about, but I, I'm i pretty sure it's from five to six, whenever the first hour they're open of of the evening, mm-hmm. during the week, all their specialty oysters are a dollar. Huh. And I, I hope they're still doing this, because I'd hate to be promoting it and then not be a thing, but... Oh my God, to get these oysters uh, just like fresh shucked and to, for a dollar each is mm-hmm. like unbelievable. And their cocktails are wonderful. Um, Aaliyah is another great restaurant. They've mm-hmm. got all their pastas are made in-house. They've got a great chef team there too. Um, yeah, that, that's where my mind goes for that question is with food. So, so mine usually goes spots. to food. Yeah. But
0: I was like, no, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to switch it up this yeah. time. <laughs> well,
1: those those places are also both run by local chefs. Mm-hmm. So it's part of like being in Chattanooga and like, part of the food culture here. So.
0: Mm-hmm. That's cool Absolutely. To... Let's go for this green one here. One song or band I love to hate. Mm. Taylor Swift. Oh, really? I have to be in a very distinct mood mm. to listen to her music. And when I get in that mood, I listen to her for like an hour, and then I'm done. And
1: that's it. You but it off. every
0: other time, I'm just like, no, Taylor Swift can get off my Spotify.
1: See, I hate that I love Taylor Swift, so I I couldn't. I, gotcha. It's the opposite. Yeah. Okay. If I hear a Taylor Swift song, I like I'll always listen to it to the end, you know. Um, but I won't ever like choose it. So well, maybe now and then. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have it on my playlist in my car though, so I don't I don't belt alone. I. Some other things. <laughs> Uh, a band I love to hate or a musician or something. Yeah. Um, I'll go with the obvious one and just say Nickelback. Nickelback. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure you knew that was coming. It's like everyone's favorite band to hate. Yep. Uh, just because that, that became their thing. It's yeah. unfortunate for them, but, you know.
0: I always laugh when someone's like, Nickelback's not that bad. And I'm just like, don't ruin their reputation. Like,
1: <laughs> we know, but don't say it out loud. Like, continue... The, the hate relationship with them, yeah.
0: yes. Just don't ruin the fun.
1: Oh, oh, the longest you've ever kept a plant alive. What is the longest you've ever kept a plant alive?
0: <laughs> a week.
1: <laughs> um, a week, really? That's <laughs> it.
0: I'm so bad at plants.
1: Gosh, you need to get some succulents because they're very low maintenance.
0: That's so. <laughs> I have this goal. I really want to grow some herbs on my patio. Uh huh. But like I said, I'm not very good at keeping plants alive.
1: Rosemary grows like a weed.
0: That's what I've been told. If
1: you put rosemary in the ground, it, it won't. You can't kill it. You know, you have to contain it. Um, oh. Yeah, those little gets all those little like hydroponic grow things. I got one for my brother, so he could ah. grow tomatoes in his kitchen. And he he like, you know, he just orders the new things on Amazon and like, hmm. ref- however long it takes, you know, he's got fresh tomatoes. He's picking those. Are, those are fun. Uh, plant wise, that I I mean, I have a plant that my my mom gave me uh, when I moved into this house I'm in now. So it's been a year. Oh wow. Um, and that plant is interesting because it was a, it is a type of succulent, but it's an offshoot of the mother plant, which my parents have still mm-hmm. at their house, and it is big. It's as big as this table is, um, and that plant belonged to my grandmother. Oh, so wow! I have my brother and I each have a little, small potted plant that was. You know, birthed from this mother plant that our that our mom has at the house, so
0: generational plant,
1: yeah, so you know that'd be a cool thing to yeah that's not something you hear passed down very often as a plant, so that that's my that's my plant, and I know where it is, and I take care of it, It doesn't need a lot of water or sunlight, but awesome, you know it does just fine,
0: oh man, all right, last round for each of us, okay, let me get a pink one here, okay, I answered that one too. Oh, here we go. When I go to clumpy's, I usually order.
1: Oh, I was actually just at clumpy's the other day. (laughs) Uh, I almost always get a a waffle cone Mm -hmm. with one big or two smaller scoops. Uh, I really love their honeycomb ice cream. I think it's just like a honeycomb candy, but Mm -hmm. oh my God, it's amazing. Something about that combination is really, really wonderful. Um, Yeah, just a cone. Whatever's good. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't have a favorite flavor uh, from them because I get something different every time I go.
0: So I'm a creature of habit. All right. Cookie dough Yeah, is my thing.
1: They had a peanut butter, like oatmeal cookie mm-hmm.
0: one
1: the other day when I went and yep. I sampled it and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I, I can't eat a whole cone or a whole pint's worth of this. I will die. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was really, really good. I should have yeah. tried
0: it anyway. I always get at least... A half scoop of cookie dough. Yeah. And occasionally a half scoop of something else. But more often than not, it's just just the cookie dough. Yeah. Because, like I said, I'm a creature of habit.
1: Right. Uh, is this one you've answered already? Let's see. What would your autobiography be called?
0: I have not answered oh, this one.
1: Okay. What would your autobiography <laughs> be called?
0: So, I wish I could remember the story behind this. But I have this note saved in my phone that's just... All sorts of, like, random thoughts, jokes, quotes, fun, weird things that I think of. And I have a note in there that says, when you write your autobiography, title it this. Oh, yeah? And it was, if you want it that bad, ask someone else. And I was like, I wish I could remember the context of this. Huh. I'm sure I was like bitching and complaining about like a date I'd been on or something right. but <laughs> I really wish I could remember the exact context but I was like you know what I'm just going to roll it. Stick with
1: it. it. Yeah you wrote that note with an intent. I you did. You should hang on to it. Um, I think I mean my my favorite thing you know is the only way out is through. Oh. So okay. I, I'm sure that's a quote. I'm sure someone famous said it and I'm just kind of either butchering it or fitting it to my own needs <laughs> but you know that's been a big thing in my life for the past few years is like figuring out what's wrong. It's like, well, you know, it's basically just taking your shit straight on Mm -hmm. and saying, okay, well, this happened so I can lament that thing that happened or I can just push through and get through it and and come out the other side and then just keep moving. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, that's been a really good lesson that I've learned uh, as an adult. And I think that would be, a catchy autobiography title. Even though I haven't had any like tremendous hardship in my life and I haven't like, you know, lost the person closest to me in the world a hundred, you know, over again. It's like But you
0: are a business
2: owner. But I'm a business owner
1: (laughs) and I am a human and we all have our shit and we all have our problems and we all have our issues and the scale of those and the relative to someone else isn't important. It's like the scale of what it is to you is what's important Mm -hmm. and being able to push through those things is a huge thing and yeah. it's just like would you say the know,
0: only way out is through
1: is through you I can't like get that. away from things no and you can't situations relationships bad relationships bad situations you know illnesses whatever happens it's like you can't just like avoid it because whether you encounter that person again or you don't you it's still in you it's mm-hmm. still there and mm-hmm. you haven't processed it or gone through it internally then it'll never be over and, you know, I've had relationships that have been long and deep and ended. And that was kind of a tough thing to process in my adult life is, you know, not thinking I was ever going to be single again to being like, oh, now what do I do? Yeah. Well, just put one foot in front of the other and go.
2: Mm-hmm. And don't look back. Yep.
1: Come out the other side and handle your business and be happy.
2: Yeah.
0: That took a profound turn. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, I can wax uh I can wax the uh, intellectual a little bit.
0: <laughs> That's all right. All right, we're going to wrap up there. Awesome. It has been an absolute pleasure talking with you tonight. Yeah.
1: This um, is fun. This is my first podcast. Really? Right I never I've listened to a few. <laughs> but I've never been on one before.
0: I seem to be on a train recently of having people on who this is their first podcast. Oh, well,
1: I mean, I hope it's not the last. <laughs> I, hope, I hope someone else hears me and says, hey, sounds like you might have a good story to tell and <laughs> wants to hear it too, so.
0: Absolutely. Um, so where can we follow you on the internet to learn more and find your
2: chocolate?
1: Uh, Well, you can buy the chocolate and learn a little bit about me at bellchocolates.com. Awesome. Uh, I, I sniped that website long ago and hung on to it because I knew I'd need it. Um... Instagram and Facebook are both just at Bell Chocolates with an S on the end. I don't know who you'll find if you don't put the S on the end, (laughs) but Bell Chocolates is me on both Instagram and Facebook, bellchocolates.com, in person around town. Usually at uh, Plus Coffee, which is where I my shop is, so I'm making all my chocolate at Plus. Coffee. Oh, you I you mentioned that before, yeah.
0: Are you at Common General?
1: Yeah, Common General. like Yeah, so i with I'll,
0: Christine and all yeah, them. I'm actually yeah. going to
1: Christine's birthday right after this. Nice.
0: So, Happy birthday, Christine.
1: Um, yeah, she'll hear this in a few weeks. One of theirs. I'll <laughs> tell her to listen for that call out. Um, yeah, they're amazing. I love Matt. I love Christine. They're both awesome people to work at. So that's where I normally awesome. am making chocolate in the shop with the crew and.
2: Good to know. know.
1: With Parliament Funkadelic playing on the radio.
0: Nice. <laughs> awesome. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you. It's been awesome. great to be here.
0: Yeah. Uh, this has been another episode of the New Gabell Podcast. Thank y'all so much for listening, and I will catch y'all on the next one.